0: All right, it's exciting to be here today because we are beginning a new series called Rhythm Today. We're going to be in it five weeks together. Um, Perhaps you are quite aware that God, our Creator, has placed within His creation rhythm. He's put rhythm in all of creation. You, You see it just about everywhere all the time, night and day. Oh, night and day, there's a rhythm. Uh, You see it within your body, Uh, you sense it when you breathe in a rhythm, when your heart beats in a rhythm, when uh, all kinds of systems are rhythmic, and all of that we tend to, in our senses, only categorize that which is our uh, physical rhythms or the things we see physically. But what we discover as we read God's Word and what He has revealed to us is that many of these physical rhythms are instructive for our spiritual rhythms as well. And so that's what we're taking a look at, and so the byline of this series is Reclaiming God's Design for Spiritual Vitality, and we're going to be looking at five rhythms together. The rhythms we'll be looking at are breathing, thirsting, walking, working, and resting. And we're going to see those uh, natural rhythms, the physical rhythms, teach us and instruct us about spiritual rhythms in those themes. And we'll be looking at all five of those together. Now, uh, by God's, uh, I don't know, providence, we had quite an illustration of how breathing is affected. Uh, This weekend, maybe you noticed uh, that our breathing was affected when the wind changed from one direction and then change uh, was coming from a northerly direction and everything changed in our breathing. We saw it in the air, we smelled it in the air, we tasted it in the air, everything changed. So we're going to be uh, looking at breathing today. But I thought we'd begin with a a very, uh, this was late in my addition to this series as I discovered it in a translation that I don't uh, normally, study out of Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30 in the message translation. And this is not just a glorified uh, um, English updating that isn't a translation. Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message, is a uh, language scholar and, and was really trying to help bring things to our understanding when he wrote this. This is Jesus' words in the message Are you tired? Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So I'm hoping that we experience a little bit of that uh, lighter, freer, revitalized spiritual life as we come to Jesus and learn from his rhythms of grace and apply these rhythms to our lives. So let's begin with the concept of breathing. Point number one, breath comes from God. Breath comes from God. We read in Genesis 2, 7, Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. Now, simply put, when we read that, we just understand that life comes from God. Life comes from the breath of God. This is true of physical life, and he doesn't just breathe life into us, but everything that is alive, he breathes life into. And spiritual life is the breathed-in life, the life that God breathes into this lump of clay that he formed into the fashion of who I am, and then it became living And this breath of life is miraculous, and it is mysterious. Scientists think they've got some things figured out, but they still can't make a dead lump alive. And that's because they don't have the ability to pull off that miracle that is mysterious and miraculous, and it comes from God himself. Breath comes from God Point number two, you're breathing, what? (laughs) You're breathing, what? And that's kind of what we felt like yesterday when I went out for uh, a little walk. It was like, oh my, I'm not sure how good this is. First of all, the sun is the wrong color. And uh, secondly, the sky is the wrong color. Thirdly, as soon as I stepped out the door, I could smell the air and I could taste it even as I was uh, walking And I thought, well, I'm not sure that this particular walk is actually healthier for me than if I would have avoided that walk. It was an interesting day yesterday. You're breathing what? Now, I grew up during the 70s um, in California at a time before the emissions control were so uh, rigidly uh, carried out in California. And so we used to joke about the fact that um, wasn't UCLA a question as opposed to a university? UCLA? (laughs) Because things were really, really uh, much more smog-filled back then. And so yesterday we got a little bit of a taste of that, just taking a look at the air. Now... We normally think of bad breath as that which comes out of somebody else. Notice I said somebody else. And good breath is, is what we have because we've brushed our teeth. But uh, bad breath is also what we can take in. As, and good breath is also what we can take in. And I want us to kind of see that together, and we're going to take a look at bad breath first, and we're looking at bad breath that we take in spiritually, and this is rather a dark passage, and not everybody believes it, but I'm hoping to encourage all of us to believe it, because it does come from the revelation from God himself. It's in Ephesians 2, 1 through 2. Here's what we read. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the Spirit now working in the disobedient. Now, notice that the Spirit there in English is lowercase spirit. This is not the Holy Spirit. This is an evil spirit, and this is an evil spirit that is described as the ruler of the power of the air. Now, this is a really interesting uh, description of how in the air about us is a kingdom of darkness. In the air about us are rulers, powers, principalities, demons. Now a lot of people, uh, they look at me askance with a raised eyebrow when they, when they start hearing me talk about this if they've been raised with the idea of I only view what science has discovered as real. Well, I'm just letting you know that I believe that Jesus' worldview is a correct worldview to understand our world. And I've adhered to Jesus' worldview that sets me free to understand my world and to make sense of my world and to make sense of good and to make sense of evil. And according to this passage, there is a ruler, which we often refer to him in his various titles and capacities. He's called the devil, he's called Satan, he's called the prince of the power of the air or the ruler of the power of the air here. So, what does that mean, that he's a ruler of the power of the air? I think I want to just go real simplistic with this. We can't see him, we can't see his army. We can't see the hordes of fallen angels that the Bible describes as fallen. They were created good, but they rebelled in a realm we cannot see now because we have become blind to spiritual reality since the fall. And they're so close to us, it's like the air we breathe. Now, the way they work to have us breathe in bad air is through deception and deception is this dark, life-influencing breath that comes into us. That's the counterpart to the breath of life. This is the breath of death. Even as if you inhaled a poison air, it's going to affect you. But this is spiritually speaking. And spiritually speaking, this ruler of the power of the air, who has at his command an organized army... To deceive is putting out deceptions all the time. And these deceptions are so close to us, we are breathing it in. It is influencing the way we think. It is influencing the way we live. And here's the tricky thing about deception. And it's frightening when you think about it. A person who is deceived does not know they're deceived until they're willingly self-deceived. And even then, they won't admit they're deceived. They believe the way they're living is legitimate and as true as the way you're living. Now, before you get that hardened in your disobedience, though, deception deceives in such a way where you don't know it. So you breathe in deception, you breathe in a lie, a worldview, a pattern of thinking, this will make me happy, and you don't see it for what it is, this is going to make you long-term not happy, and you keep living it out and keep thinking, this is making me happier, and you don't see how deceived you are. This is what's being described here as breathing in bad air. The good news is there's good air that you can breathe in. Just as the kingdom of darkness is in a realm we cannot see, but it's all about us. The kingdom of God is in a realm we cannot see, but he's as close as the air we, we breathe. He is here he is here now. Don't think of the kingdom of God as only some place you die and wait to get to far, far away and you pray to God hoping he's listening to you from far, far away. No, God is present. He is here and good breath is available at every breath right now and that's going to cleanse you from the lies and he too is going to influence you through truth as opposed to deception. So there's good breath spiritually. In John 20, 21 through 22, we read this. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. (laughs) That would have been weird. Just strange to be in a room where your master comes up to you, puts his face up to yours and breathes on you or blows in your face and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And yet this is the counterpart of Genesis, which we just read, where God breathed into the nostrils of a dead Adam. Adam A-D-A-M, Adam, the man that he created out of the dust. He's just a blob formed together, but it wasn't alive until he very intimately, face to face, breathed in his life and he comes to life. And here now, spiritually dead people, his disciples are now becoming alive when Jesus breathes into their spirit, which is deadened to God because of our disobedience and the lies that we've lived have come alive because of the Spirit of God breathed into us and Jesus is the one that makes breathing in the Spirit's breath and coming alive to God again out of deadness. Now you either believe Ephesians 2 or you don't and you were dead while you were walking around. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. It isn't until Jesus breathes his life into you that you are resurrected out of that walking death, the lies of deception that are controlling you and causing you to be separated from God when the Spirit of God breathes in life and truth to displace and exhale all that error and sin In confession and take in truth and life as a deep breath of fresh good air and to be set free from that death until that happens we are among the walking dead according to jesus according to paul and jesus says the truth will set you free that's not two separate things where the truth sets you free or the Spirit sets you free, it's the same. God is truth. God is life. God is the way. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And so then to say it in a different way, but to say the same thing, but in a different way, Paul says this, and it's about the rhythm of breathing. In 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17, We read this. All scripture is inspired. We're talking about the Bible. Truth. All truth that's revealed from God is inspired. In the ESV, they translate the same word inspired, just literally translating it out, breathed out. All scripture is breathed out. So we're seeing again that life comes from God breathing into us truth, breathing into us life, breathing into us reality, breathing into us the life of Jesus, the truth of Jesus, the way of Jesus. And here's the words of Jesus, which describes that way. And it's the living word that comes from the breath of God. Described by Paul, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We live in an information age. It used to be the information, the whole body of information that humanity had doubled in a very long time. Um, I read recently that like 1,500 years it took to double the body of information from like the year B.C. to 1,500, you know, it's like double the body of information. Now we're doubling the body of information that humanity has available at our fingertips just so quickly we can't keep up with the information. We are an information age where we're just inundated with information so much so here's my fear and I see it with so many of us. There's so much information I can't take any information in anymore. And we can't tell good information from bad information, so we just disengage from information. Please don't. Don't disengage from this. Do not disengage from the revealed, living, breathed out, inspired word of God because it's life to our soul. It breathes life into our minds. It breathes life into our our emotions. It breathes life into our will, our desire. If you don't breathe this in, you're stuck in darkness, deception, and death. You need to come out of that death. Death. It might just feel like information overload. How do I even deal with all these pages? Just one word at a time, one page at a time, one rhythmic pattern at a time. Breathe it in. God breathed it out so that we could breathe it in. It will transform you. It will renew you. It will change you because it's not just words. The Spirit of God uses these truths as powerful living instruments to call them to mind, to call them to your spirit, to call them to your being and realize that, no, this is the way. Walk in it. That is not the way. There's no attraction there. You're right. This is the way. Walk in it. If you're taking all the tools away from the spirit in your life, you are going to be playing with all the toys of the enemy. And no tools and equipment to rid yourself of his very well-studied analysis of who we are as fallen beings. So make this the rhythm of your life. Come to it. Breathe it in. Point number three: God's breath brings life. I'd like to finish with a very strange description of an experience. Is it vision? I'm not even sure Ezekiel knew. <laughs> Was it a dream? I'm not even sure Ezekiel knew what it was. It was so real and vivid to him, but he describes it rather well, and it's quite instructive to us. I'm not going to put all the text on the screen. It's a lengthy passage. If you'd like to turn in your Bible to Ezekiel 37, I'll be reading verses 1 through 14, and I just say up front, it's a very strange passage, but it's a very helpful and instructive passage about breath, the breath of God that brings life. Begins this way. The hand of the Lord was on me, Ezekiel is writing, and he brought me out by his spirit and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He doesn't say, I had this vision, I had this dream. So is it, he's like just describing something so vivid, so real, he's not even sure. I, I, it kind of reminds me of Paul saying, I know a man who this happened, uh, whether it was in his body or out of his body, I'm not even sure. It's, that's what it reminds me of. Verse 2, he led me all around them. All around what? A valley full of bones. There were a great many of them on the surface of the valley and they were very dry. So I picture all these sun-bleached bones. But having read ahead, let me just tell you, these are not just bones of any kind. It's obviously human bones just scattered throughout this valley. And so it brings up images. This description brings up images in my mind, horrifying images that I remember seeing just bones from the Holocaust. Just dead bones that were deprived of, from a Jewish perspective, an honorable burial. And here this valley of bones is there, and Ezekiel is trying to figure out, why am I seeing all of this? And yet what's being described here, Ezekiel was living out the exile, the judgment upon the people of God. While in exile, they feel like dead people. They feel like their faith is dead, their God is dead, their nation is dead, and they're as dry as bleached bones. They don't have a faith anymore. They don't have a country anymore. They don't have a temple anymore because all that God prophesied has come true. You have been so disobedient, this will happen, Deuteronomy says over and over again. And you've been so, div- if you don't follow my ways, this will happen. And they're living it out in this nightmare of a living death. Before pagan gods and pagan nations, as if God is dead. But this vision brings hope to a dead nation of people. And this is what Ezekiel writes to us. Then he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Now, if you were there looking at a valley of dead bones, and you're thinking, Are you expecting an answer, or is this a rhetorical question? Can these bones live? And God is speaking to you. What answer would you give? It's like, okay, this is a test. This is a test. Uh, I I like the discreet answer (laughs) Ezekiel gives. I replied, Lord, God, only you know. He said to me, prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And so he's telling Ezekiel to do something very strange. Preach to the bones. Dear Bones, <laughs> listen to the words of the Lord. How weird is that? And yet, that's often a preacher's task. Dead people, spiritually dead, preach to the bones. This is what the Lord God says to these bones I will cause breath to enter you, and you will live. I will put tendons on you, make flesh grow on you, and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you so that you come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded. While I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. How vivid is that? They're like bones scattered or coming together. It's like watching this movie. It's like, whoa, God is on the move. I'd like to see that. As I looked, tendons appeared on them. Flesh grew and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Now we've got a bunch of dead bodies put back together. It's obviously people, and they look nice, but they're still dead. I am a preacher, have been for a long time, so I've been to a lot of funerals. I've heard a lot of things at funerals particularly at caskets. I've heard this frequently. Oh, doesn't he look so nice? Doesn't he look so peaceful? I'm thinking inside, no. He looks dead. He's not moving. And I say this with respect because that was the feeling I had at my dad's casket when somebody said, he looks so at peace. And I thought, he doesn't even look like my dad. He's not there. He's alive. He's with the Lord. Folks, dead, pretty things don't move. Churches, to an outsider, might look pretty. Oh, don't they look so nice? Aren't they so great? Aren't they so friendly and if Jesus were to come, I think he would have assessment sometime and say, uh no. What you're describing is a whitewashed tomb full of dead men's bones. Some churches have lost life. How do you know? Because there's no changed lives. There's no movement. The gospel is not effective. Everybody comes and sings nice songs and says amen and does nice things and don't change and live their own life as if God is not their God. They live their own life and call their own shots and they have a little religion to make it feel acceptable and they have not talked to another person about Jesus for who knows how long. The life of God is not in them. They do not have any movement. The church is dead. And churches are dying all across America. They look like Dead bodies to Jesus. But people say, Oh, don't they look at peace? Don't they look so nice? But they have no breath. They have no movement. I'd like to think that's not us. I pray that's not us. I'm preaching to the bones. And then I'm preaching to the breath. He said, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. Say to it, this is what the Lord God says. Breath, come from the four winds and breathe into these slain so that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. The breath entered them and they came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Look how they say, our bones are dried up, our hope has perished, we are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says. I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them, my people, and lead you into the land of Israel. You will know that I am the Lord, my people. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it. This is the declaration of the Lord. The good news is it doesn't matter the dead church. It doesn't matter the dead person. God brings resurrection to the dead for those dead bones that hear the preaching of Jesus crucified for them, resurrected for them. The spirit is available to you. Confess, breathe him in, Exhale the bad. Breathe in the good. And begin to walk in the rhythm of life. Taking in the life of God in the rhythm of breathing. So as an action step, how has your rhythm of breathing been? Do you have a strategy to take action? in the breathed-out, inspired, living word. What is your strategy? What does that rhythm look like? Where do you do this? When do you do this? Is it a life practice? Is it the rhythm of your life? Tip. Do first things first. Do the most important thing first each day. So I have a question for you. What's the first thing you do every day? Are you ready to change that? To make it, breathe him in. Look at him face to face. Allow him to breathe into your life. The Spirit of God through the Word of God, the life of God transforming your being. Are you ready to make first things first? Start small, but start every day and let it grow. Your lung capacity will get larger, your understanding will get larger. But you better breathe, or you're in trouble. Would you pray with me, Father God? We ask that you would breathe into us. O oh, breath, come from north, south, east, west, come into us, O oh Holy Spirit. Breathe your word into our lives, breathe into our minds, our wills, our emotions too desire you more and more and to begin to take your words in and begin to understand in little bits and more bits and more pieces. And Holy Spirit, explain to us, help us to ask questions and make this our life pattern. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.